all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there's not one that is righteous. No, not even one. But the rich man didn't see his sin. And you can't be saved without seeing your sin. Preaching the old-time gospel. With a fresh anointing to to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. You can't be saved without seeing your sin. But what if you're a good person, keeping the law, helping people? Uh, That's where a rich man in the Bible was coming from. But Jesus zeroed in on his heart, and the man went away very sad. Today, Brian Tyndall brings a message from Luke chapter 18, looking at this man and what we can learn from him. So turn to Luke 18, beginning at verse 18, for a message entitled, Why the Rich Man Did Not Inherit Eternal Life. Here's Brian. Today we're looking in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, beginning with verse 18, and it's about the story of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus, and he was asking about what he needed to do in order to inherit eternal life. I want us to listen to this story today, Luke 18, verse 18. It says, Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one alone, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. And so when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the rich man heard this saying of Jesus, he became very sorrowful, for he was a very rich man. Now, this is an interesting story, because in this story, we have a man, actually a rich man, or a man by the world's perspective, uh, he's got it made. Uh, He's got a good job. He makes a lot of money. He has uh, material uh, possessions, uh, probably lives in a big house. Uh, From the world's perspective, uh, we look at a person like this and we say, he's got it made. He's got the kind of life that I would like to have. And yet what we see uh, through this story is that even though the rich man had monetary wealth, even though he had possessions, Even though he was very rich from a material perspective, the rich man still realized that there was something that was missing, something that was lacking in his life. And so he comes to Jesus, and he asks Jesus a very interesting question. He says, "Uh, good teacher, uh, what is it that I need to do in order that I can inherit eternal life? You see, the rich man realized that something was missing in his life. And there's a lot of people like that in the world today. There's a lot of people that can identify with this man because there's a lot of people in our world and especially here in uh, the United States culture. uh, We're a very wealthy country. We're a very wealthy nation. Even those of us that might not consider ourselves to be rich uh, by a world standard, most of us are. And yet, even though most of us uh, have an adequate amount of money, uh, we can pay our bills, we have a place to live, we have a car to drive, we have clothes to wear, we have food to eat, and by a world's perspective, we, we are rich. Many of us, even though we're in that situation, we still realize uh, that there's something missing in our life, that even though we have money, even though we have the material possessions, even though we have everything that the secular world says that we have to have in order to be fulfilled, in order to be happy, in order to be joyful, that we still realize that there's something missing, there's something lacking in our life. I've talked to many people like this over 30 years of ministry, and many of those people are just like the rich man. They come to an understanding that the thing that's missing in their life is a spiritual life. They come to understand that while they have become a success from a worldly point of view, while they have gained much from a materialistic point of view, that there's something missing. And and most of the time we recognize that what's missing is in the spiritual dimension of life. They realize that they've spent uh, all their time seeking after the things of this world, but no time seeking after the things of God. 
And I believe that's what was happening here in the rich man's life. I believe that he had done everything that the world said you had to do to be happy. He had done those things. He had attained all of those things, and he still wasn't happy. He still wasn't fulfilled. There was something still missing in his life. And as a result of that, he was seeking to fill that void in his life. He was seeking to find that thing which was missing and to acquire it in order that he might have a fulfilled life. And in this case, I think the rich man realized accurately that the thing that was missing in his life was in the spiritual dimension. Uh, and so he came to Jesus, a, a great teacher, a great prophet, uh, one that was recognized by many during the time that Jesus walked on this earth. People admired him. People saw that nobody taught and preached and had authority like Jesus. They saw him performing miracles. They saw him as a, an ethical, moral person. And so many people were drawn to Jesus, just like this rich man. But when the rich man comes to Jesus, even though he comes by his own words, by his own admission, seeking eternal life, what we find as we read this story and as we see the conclusion of this story is that even though the rich man recognized his need of eternal life, and even though he came to Jesus telling him that he was seeking eternal life, he actually leaves out of the presence of Jesus without receiving eternal life. And that's what I want us to look at today in this message. I want us to think about, I want us to ask ourselves the question, why did this rich man come to Jesus seeking eternal life, desiring eternal life, and yet he leaves without receiving eternal life? I believe the answer to that question is very important. Because I believe today in the world, in the society that we live, if this man had have come to most of us as Christians, if this man had have come to most of our churches today, uh, just like he came to Jesus in this story, I believe that we would have offered him eternal life. I believe that we would have offered him uh, salvation. I believe that we would have offered him church membership. I believe that we would have offered him an opportunity to enter into the family of God. And yet Jesus does not offer him eternal life. Jesus does not give him salvation. Jesus does not say, come on in and be a part of my family. I'm going to, I'm going to accept you as my child. None of those things happen. And I think the answer to the question, why doesn't this rich man receive eternal life? It's a very important question. And the answer to that is a very important answer. And I want us to look at that today. Actually, I think I see five reasons that come directly out of this passage of Scripture, five reasons that come directly out of this text, out of this story, that show us why the rich man did not receive eternal life. The first reason, I believe, is this. The rich man did not recognize or acknowledge Jesus as his Savior. You see, in verse 18, the Scripture says that the rich man came to Jesus, and he says, Now a certain ruler came to Jesus saying, Good teacher, good teacher. You see, the rich man came to Jesus and he was, he was wanting to give honor to Jesus. He was wanting to show respect to Jesus as a, as a great teacher, as a great authority, uh, on the word of God, as a great prophet. And so he comes to Jesus and he acknowledges him. He addresses him with this title of, of great teacher, good teacher. And yet what we see from this passage of scripture is that even though the rich man's trying to be respectful, even though the rich man's trying to honor Jesus through his words, we see from his words that he doesn't really recognize and acknowledge who Jesus Christ really is. In fact, Jesus uh, says something back to the rich man uh, that causes us to know that Jesus recognizes this deficiency in the rich man's life. You might think that Jesus would be honored. You might think that Jesus would be pleased because here's a, a, a notable person, a person of prominence, a person of wealth coming to him and, and humbling himself and, and giving Jesus this title, this recognition, this honor of being a good teacher. And yet what Jesus says to him shows that he does not receive the words of the rich man in a positive way. What did Jesus say to the rich man? The rich man comes and says, good teacher. Jesus immediately responds to the rich man and says, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. 
I believe the reason that Jesus said those words to the rich man was because Jesus recognized that the rich man did not see Jesus for who he is, and he certainly was not willing to acknowledge Jesus for who he truly is. And let me say today, based on the authority of the Word of God, if a person does not recognize Jesus Christ for who he really is, and if a person is not willing to humble himself and put a personal faith and trust and belief in who the Bible says that Jesus Christ is personally, then he's not able to be saved. He's not able to inherit eternal life. And I believe that's exactly uh, one of the reasons why the rich man was not saved. I believe that's one of the reasons Jesus did not offer the rich man eternal life was because the rich man did not acknowledge and recognize who Jesus is. You see, Jesus was a good teacher and Jesus was an awesome moral ethical figure. Uh, and Jesus was uh, a person to be respected and honored, but Jesus was far more than that. Because you see, the Bible does not just picture Jesus as a good moral, ethical person. The Bible pictures Jesus as God in the flesh. The Bible pictures Jesus as the Christ. The Bible pictures Jesus as the Messiah. The Bible pictures Jesus as the Savior of the world. The Bible gives us Jesus as the one that has come down from heaven, God himself that has wrapped himself in flesh, that was born of a virgin, that lived a sinless, perfect life, the God-man, God that became flesh and lived on this earth without sin, the God that went to the cross. No man took his life from him, but he gave his life. He offered his life. He laid down his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And he shed his blood on Calvary's cross and he died, but he did not stay dead. The Bible says that Jesus is the one that died, but rose from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. The Bible says that Jesus is the one that has ascended into heaven and has taken his rightful place on the very throne of God itself. And you see, the rich man, while he was wanting to honor Jesus as a great religious person, he did not recognize who Jesus is, that he's the Savior of the world. The Bible says that Jesus says of himself that when you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father because I and the Father are one. Jesus Christ is one with God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the God-man. Jesus is God that has become flesh. Jesus is the only Savior there is no other Savior. There is no other name. That's what the Bible says in the book of Acts, that there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only Savior. Jesus said of himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And the rich man simply did not see and did not acknowledge Jesus Christ for who Jesus really is. And so therefore, he was not able to be saved. And there's a lot of people like that today. There's a lot of people that are willing to, to give a type of honor and a respect to the name of Jesus. Uh, there are people that are willing to acknowledge him as a great religious leader. There are people that are willing to acknowledge him as a great moral and ethical teacher. Uh, there are people that recognize Jesus as a great prophet. But many of those same people, and I could name many different religions that they do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God. They do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is divine. They do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved, the only Savior that there is. And my friends, I'm telling you today, based on the authority of the Word of God, that until we recognize Jesus for who He really is, and until we are willing to put our faith and our own personal trust and acceptance in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we cannot be saved. It doesn't matter how bad we want salvation. It doesn't matter how bad we want eternal life. It doesn't matter how bad we want to go to heaven when we die. It doesn't matter how good of an ethical, moral person we seek to be or how religious we are or what religious traditions we keep until I recognize and acknowledge Jesus Christ for who he is. I cannot be saved. No one can be saved. And I believe that's one of the main reasons that the rich man did not inherit eternal life. He wanted eternal life. He came to Jesus seeking eternal life, 
but he did not receive eternal life because he refused to acknowledge and accept Jesus Christ for who he really is. But I believe there's more than that. I believe the second reason that the rich man was not saved, the second reason that he did not inherit eternal life, was because the rich man thought that there was something that he personally could do to merit eternal life or to merit salvation. The rich man thought there was something he could do to merit salvation. And we see that in verse 18. We hear it in his question. He comes to Jesus. It says, now a certain ruler came to Jesus saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? In the question, we see the mindset of the rich man. In the question itself, we see the idea, the theology, the the ideology concerning the way he thought about salvation. You see, the rich man was coming to Jesus, and he wasn't coming to Jesus saying, I realize there's nothing that I can do to save myself. I realize that I'm a sinner that's lost and separated from God, and and that there's absolutely nothing that I can do to inherit salvation, but I'm coming and I'm humbling myself before you, Jesus, and I'm asking for you to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Those are not the words that we hear out of the rich man. What we hear out of the rich man is the very opposite of that. He's not coming to Jesus, humbling himself, saying, I recognize that there's nothing that I can do as a lost person to be saved. No, he's coming to Jesus and saying, what good thing must I do in order to inherit eternal life? And I'm telling you, one of the main reasons that the rich man was not saved, one of the main reasons that he did not receive eternal life from Jesus Christ, even though he came seeking eternal life, was because the rich man thought that there was something that he could do personally to merit salvation. He thought that he could be religious enough. He thought that he could join a church or a synagogue. He thought that he could be baptized. He thought there was some good works that he could do. He thought that there was some religious traditions that he could keep. He thought there was something physical that he personally could do that would cause him to inherit or merit eternal life. And that kind of thinking is rampant in our world today. There are many people around the world that are just like this rich man. They realize that something's lacking in their life. They realize that while they may have uh, money, while they may have material possessions, while they may have been a success from the point of view of the world, uh, they realize that something's still lacking in their life. They realize that, that there's something that's missing. And many of them are like the rich man. They realize accurately that the thing that's missing in their life is a relationship with God. The thing that's missing in their life is attention to spiritual things. And so many of those people are just like the rich man. They come to Jesus Christ. And they come seeking eternal life. They come seeking a relationship that will cause them to go to heaven when they die. But they come just like the rich man. They come with this false impression, this false belief, this false idea, this false understanding that salvation, that eternal life is something that they can gain, is something that they can merit through their own religious activity, through their own good works, through their own life, through their own Uh, merit through their own ability. And they come to Jesus and they're seeking salvation. They're seeking eternal life, but they're seeking it through their own power. They're seeking it through their own efforts. And I believe one of the main reasons the rich man was not saved was because he did not come seeking the salvation that can come only through Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. He did not come seeking the salvation of the Bible that's a free gift that comes through Christ and Christ alone. He came seeking to know and to understand and to be told by Jesus some specific things that he could do in his life, that he could practice, that he could fulfill that would cause him to merit and receive eternal life, to receive salvation. And of course, there is nothing that we can do. Jesus could not tell him something that he could do because there was nothing that he could do. Uh, There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. If salvation was possible by us, if there was something that we could do to receive or to earn or to merit salvation, to earn eternal life, then there would have been no need for Jesus to come. 
There would have been no need for God to become flesh. There would have been no need for Jesus to die on the cross. You see, if there's something that we can do to save ourselves, then the cross is useless. We make the cross useless. We make the sacrifice of Jesus useless when we say that there's something that we can do in and of ourselves to earn or to gain eternal life. The whole reason Jesus had to come to this earth, the whole reason that Jesus had to live a sinless, perfect life, the reason that Jesus had to go to the cross and die and sacrifice his body and shed his blood is because the Bible teaches that there is no other way. There's nothing else that could have been done. You and I were separated from God because of our sin. You and I were alienated from God. We were enemies of God, and we were under the judgment and penalty of death because of our sin, and we were on our way to hell, and there was nothing. We were dead in the trespasses of sin, and there was absolutely nothing that we could do that could cause us to be saved, that could cause us to be forgiven of our sin, that could cause us to escape hell and inherit eternal life. And yet God loved us so much. That's what the Bible says in John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, not whosoever works, not whosoever's religious, not whosoever's baptized, not whosoever reads the Bible, not whosoever prays, not whosoever earns or merits eternal life. No, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, whoever, whoever puts his faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone shall inherit eternal life. That's God's plan. And the rich man did not understand this. The rich man did not recognize and acknowledge Jesus as Savior, and the rich man mistakenly thought that there was something that he could do to merit or deserve salvation, and there was nothing that he could do to merit salvation. The third thing that we see from this passage of Scripture that kept the rich man from inheriting eternal life is that the rich man did not recognize or acknowledge his sin. The rich man did not recognize or acknowledge his sin. And we see that in verse 20, Jesus told the rich man about the commandments. And he mentioned, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And when the rich man hears Jesus beginning to name off the 10 commandments and saying, these are things that we should live by. These are things that we should obey. The response of the rich man in verse 21 is this, all these things I have kept from my youth. In other words, when Jesus mentions the Ten Commandments, the rich man's response is not, oh, I've sinned against God, and I acknowledge my sin. I recognize that I'm a sinner that's, that's broken God's law, that's disobeyed God's word, that's, that's walking outside of the will of God for my life. The rich man did not say, uh, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner that's in need of a Savior. No, he did the very opposite of that. The rich man, when he's confronted with the word of God, when he's confronted with the law of God, rather than saying that he's a sinner that has disobeyed God's word, rather than saying he's a sinner that's living outside of the will of God, the rich man says the very opposite of that. He says to Jesus, I have obeyed, I have kept your word ever since I was a young man. Well, the truth is that he had not kept God's word because there's no way if you go back and you look at the commandments that Jesus brought up, do not commit adultery. Well, that is not just, uh, we don't just break that command by actually physically uh, having an affair with a woman that's not our wife. According to Jesus in the New Testament, we can break that command and we look at a person of the opposite sex. We just look at them and in our heart, in our mind, uh, we lust after them or we think thought, lustful thoughts about another person, even momentarily, even briefly, even one time in our life, if, that, if that's ever happened to us, then according to Jesus, we've already committed adultery in our heart. And then Jesus says, do not murder. But in the New Testament, Jesus said that if we have hatred, if we have hate-filled thoughts uh, toward other people, and how many of us can say that there's never been a person that we never uh, we never had any hatred in our heart, not even one time, not even momentarily for another person. I don't believe that we could say that. And the Bible says, do not steal. Jesus told him, do not steal. And yet, how many of us can say that we've gone through our whole life without taking anything, even something small that does not belong to us? 
uh, we can break that commandment so easily uh, by not giving people the time. Our employer, if we if 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 he's paying us for forty hours a week and we get to the work late, uh, we're stealing. If we if we take things from the workplace that we ought not to take, even a sheet of paper or something like that, we're stealing. And then he says, do not bear false witness. Don't say things about other people that are not true. How many of us could say in our whole life that we've never said something about another person that was not true? Maybe we exaggerated. Maybe we embellished. Maybe we outright lied and told something that was not true. All of us have borne false witness against our neighbor at some time in our life. He told the rich man to honor your father and your mother, and yet none of us can say that every single day of our life, every single minute of our life, we have honored our mother and our father the way that we ought to. Even those of us that have the best relationship with our mothers and fathers, even those of us that that love our parents uh, the most, we can look back over our life, over our childhood, over our youthful years, and we can see times that we spoke to our parents disrespectfully. We can see times that we did not do what our parents told us to do. We can see times that we were disobedient to our parents and we did not honor our mother and our father. And so you see, as we look at these things that Jesus brought up to the rich man, most of us look at these things, and if we're being honest with God and honest with ourselves, we would have to say, after hearing these commandments, we would have to say, I'm a sinner. I've broken all of these commandments. I've sinned against God. And indeed, that's what the Bible says about us. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there's not one that is righteous. No, not even one. The Bible says that the person that has the best life, the best things to give to God, that if we were to bring him our very best, that our best to God is like filthy rags. So you see, we are sinners. We are completely and totally and utterly sinful. But the rich man didn't see that. He did not see his sin. And you can't be saved without seeing your sin. He didn't acknowledge his sin. And you can't be saved without acknowledging your sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But that verse begins with a word, and that word is if. If we confess, then Jesus is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us. But the rich man, he didn't even see his sin. He didn't even acknowledge his sin. He was not even sorry for his sin. He didn't even think that he was a sinner. He said, I've kept all of these commandments since my youth. I've kept them all perfectly. And you see, is there any wonder that the rich man did not receive eternal life? He couldn't receive eternal life. The rich man couldn't receive eternal life because he did not recognize and acknowledge his own sin. And it's essential For us to be saved, it is essential that we see that we're a sinner, that we have godly sorrow over our sin, that we're willing to confess our sin to Jesus Christ and to Jesus Christ alone and ask for his forgiveness, that we're willing to turn away from our sin and turn to Jesus Christ as our only hope, and that's called repentance. But see, the rich man did none of those things, and therefore the rich man did not receive eternal life. And yet before we pick on the rich man, before we pick on him too much, how many people in this life are guilty of the very same thing? How many of us have come to Jesus wanting eternal life, wanting to have an assurance that our sins are forgiven, wanting to have an assurance that when we die, that we will go to heaven and not hell. How many of us are just as guilty of the, as the rich man of coming to Jesus in our life and wanting eternal life, wanting salvation, but at the same time not recognizing our own sin, not acknowledging our own sin, not having a godly sorrow over our own sin, not being willing to confess and repent and turn away from our sin, but wanting Jesus Christ to give us salvation without repentance. And yet it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for the rich man, and it doesn't happen for any person, because we cannot be saved without acknowledging our sin and confessing and repenting of our sin. But there's a fourth thing that I see here in this passage of Scripture, why the rich man did not receive eternal life, even though he came to Jesus seeking eternal life. And the fourth reason is this, The rich man thought that salvation 
He thought that eternal life was something that he could just add to his old life. He came to Jesus seeking eternal life, and he came with the impression, with the idea, with the belief that eternal life was something that he could just add to his old life. Notice it says in verse 22, and when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, he said to the rich man, you still lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, Jesus was not telling the rich man to go and sell his possessions because we receive eternal life or we receive salvation by purchasing it or by uh, giving our possessions away in order that we might uh, buy or earn or attain or merit eternal life or salvation. Jesus told him to go and sell all that he had and give it away because he recognized the problem that the rich man had is that he, he was putting his faith, he was putting his trust in his things, in his possessions, in his money, and not in Jesus Christ. He recognized that the rich man had this false idea that he could come and receive eternal life and just add eternal life, add salvation to all of the other things that he had accumulated in his life. And just like he had a financial life and a home life and a social life, he wanted to come and add one more category. He wanted to come and add eternal life or salvation to everything else that he had already accumulated. He basically was saying to Jesus, I'm rich. I have all of these things, but there's one thing that I'm lacking, eternal life. And I want you to tell me what I can do personally to inherit that thing so I can add eternal life, so I can add salvation to my life that I already have, to the things that I've already accumulated. And there's so many people in the world that they think about eternal life. They think about salvation just like this rich man. They think that salvation or eternal life is something that they can just get, they can receive, they can just add it to the life that they already have. And yet the Bible doesn't speak about salvation in that way at all. In fact, Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, if you want to be saved, if you want eternal life, then you've got to be born again. You see, salvation is not you adding eternal life to the life, the old life that you already have. Salvation is God giving you a new life. Salvation, eternal life is not you adding eternal life to the old life that you're already living. Salvation is God making you a new person in Christ. It's all of those old things passing away and all things being made new by Jesus Christ. And yet the rich man did not understand that. He did not understand that salvation was him being born again. He didn't understand that salvation was him being made a new creation. He didn't understand that salvation, true, genuine, biblical salvation, meant that all of those old things in his life had to be passed away, had to be put to death, had to go away in order that he might could be made something new. And there's a lot of people like that in the world today. They come to church and they realize that something's missing in their life. They realize that even though I have a good job, even though I have money, even though I have a lot of material possessions, even though I have a nice house to live in, nice clothes to wear, a nice car to drive, even though I've got relationships, even though I have all of these things, I realize that something's still missing in my life. And many times they recognize rightly, just like the rich man, that the thing that's missing in their life, the thing that is not settled, the thing that is not right in their life is in the spiritual dimension. And so they're just like the rich man coming to Jesus. They come to the church or or, or they come to a pastor and, and they say, what is it that I can do? I, I realize that something's lacking in my life. I realize that something's still missing in my life. Uh, I, I want to make sure that when I die that I'm saved. I want to make sure that when I die that I go to heaven and not to hell. What can I do? in order to have that assurance? What can I do in order to inherit that eternal life? What can I do in order to receive that salvation? And the answer is, we can't do anything. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. The answer to that question is, 
is that salvation and eternal life is not just a spiritual uh, possession that you add to the material life that you already have. Salvation and eternal life is you coming to Jesus Christ and being willing to lay down, just like Jesus told the rich man he was going to have to be willing to lay down his wealth. He was going to have to be willing to lay down uh, his financial resources. He was going to have to, you say, well, Brian, I'm, I'm not rich. The thing that's holding me back is not my money. It's not my wealth. Well, there's many things that we're going to have to lay down. It's not just our money that we're going to have to lay down. It's not just our financial resources that we're going to have to be willing to walk away from. We're going to have to be willing to lay down our sin. We're going to have to be willing to lay down our bad habits. We're going to have to be willing to lay down our bad relationships. We're going to have to be willing to lay down our dreams, our hopes. We're going to have to be willing to lay down everything that we have and everything that we are in order that we can receive that which is far greater and more important than the things that we have. You see, the things that we have are temporal, and the things that God offers us are eternal. The things that we have are passing away. One day, those things are not going to be important anymore. One day when we die, those things are not going to go with us into the next life, into eternity. And so we are laying down these temporal earthly things in order that we might have open hands that can receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life. And what Jesus was saying to the rich man is this, you want eternal life, but you just want me to add eternal life to the life that you already have. You just want me to give you eternal life as an added possession to the material things that you have already accumulated. And what Jesus was trying to get the rich man to recognize was this. Salvation, eternal life, is not something that you add to the old life that you already have. Salvation and eternal life is a new life in Jesus Christ. It's being born again. It's being made a new person, a new creation. Salvation and eternal life is when all of those old things pass away and everything becomes new in your life through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. You see, the rich man thought salvation could be added to his old life. He did not want to be changed by Jesus Christ. He wanted eternal life to be added to the old life that he had. Salvation is God transforming us into new people. And yet I know so many people, I've met so many people uh, in my life, in ministry over the last 30 years that are exactly like this rich man. I've seen them as a pastor come to church on Sunday morning and come down the aisle and and maybe even with tears in their eyes and, and they recognize that their life is not what it ought to be. They recognize that they are missing something in their life and they want me as a pastor to tell them, what prayer can I pray? Uh, can I join the church? Can I can, you know, do I need to read the Bible? Do I need to be baptized? What is it that I can do in order to inherit eternal life? They're just like the rich man. And yet the truth is, many of those people that have come to me, many of those people that I have dealt with, they have not acknowledged Jesus as who he is uh, in their life, as Savior of the world, as the only hope that we have. Many of those people uh, have come believing that there was something they could do to inherit or merit eternal life, not recognizing that they were spiritually bankrupt, that they were separated, alienated from God because of their sin, that they were without hope in the world, uh, and that the only hope they had was was putting their faith in Christ and in Christ alone, that salvation was not something they could merit or inherit, but salvation was the free gift of God that came uh, through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. Many of those people that came to me were just like the rich man. They did not see their own sin. I've asked so many people this question, so many people over the last 30 years, I would ask them this question, are you a good person? And I would say over 90% of the people that I have ever asked that question to, are you a good person? Over 90% responded immediately, yes, I'm a good person. And sometimes they would follow that up by saying something like, well, I know I'm not perfect, or I know that I have sin or mistakes in my life, but, I, but yes, I believe I'm a good person. You can't be saved as long as you see yourself as a good person. 
The rich man told Jesus, I've already kept the commandments. I've been keeping the word of God perfectly since I was a young person. He didn't see himself as a sinner that needed to be saved from his sin. He saw himself as a person that was living almost perfectly. He saw himself as a good person that should deserve or merit salvation. And how many people have I talked to in my life that are the very same way? Ultimately, really deep down, they believe that they were good people. And uh, as I would begin to talk to them, what would become apparent is that not only do they, did they believe they were good people, they believed that most everybody in the world were good people. They believed that most of humanity was basically good at heart. And, and what they would basically say was, yes, there's probably a few evil people. There's probably a few bad people like Hitler or Saddam Hussein or uh, some terrorist somewhere. But basically, everybody is good at heart. But you see, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach that we are basically good at heart. The Bible does not teach that the majority of people are basically good people. The Bible teaches that we are completely and thoroughly sinful. The Bible teaches that not only have we sinned against God, not only have we broken his word, not only have we walked outside of his will on just a few points, the Bible says that if we've broken the word of God at one point, that we've broken it at all points. The Bible says that our hearts are completely wicked, and most people do not see themselves that way. The rich young man did not see himself that way. He wanted eternal life, but he did not acknowledge and recognize his sin, and he certainly was not sorry for his sin, and he certainly did not confess and repent of his sin. And so many people that I've talked to in my life, they are the very same way. They want eternal life, but not because they think that they're a sinner that needs to be saved. And many people are just like the rich man. They believe that salvation is something that can just be added uh, to their life. They believe that salvation, eternal life, is just something they can add to the old life that they have. And so that's exactly what happens so many of the times. Somebody comes to church, and uh, they don't put their faith in Christ. They don't repent of their sins. They're not born again. They're not made a new creature. What happens is they join the church. They have their name added to the church role. They join Sunday school. Uh, they become a church member. Uh, they say a 20-word a prayer. Uh, you know, they, they, they become religious. Uh, they start reading the Bible. They turn over a new leaf. They, they, they start trying to be more moral, more ethical in their life. And, uh, and there's been no change. They've, they've simply tried to add eternal life to their old life. And nothing about them has changed. Nothing about them has passed away. Nothing about them has been made new. And therefore, they have not really received eternal life. They've not really been saved because we can't receive eternal life and we can't receive salvation without becoming a new creation through the new birth, which is a work of the Holy Spirit of God. And then finally, the rich man was not willing to become a follower of Jesus Christ. He was not willing to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And what we understand from the Word of God is until we are willing to become followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, we cannot be saved. You see, the rich man wanted eternal life, but he did not want a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wanted to go to heaven when he died, but he did, he did not want to follow Jesus while he was on this earth. He wanted a Savior, but he did not want a Lord. And we see that in verses 22 and 23. It says, so Jesus heard these things and he said to him, you still like one thing, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. So he had an opportunity to come and follow Jesus. But the Bible says in verse 23 that when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And what was the scripture saying? The scripture was saying, Jesus said, come and follow me. You can have eternal life. Just come and follow me. Just turn your back on all of your things and on all of your possessions. All, all of those things that mean so much to you, your money and your possessions, these worldly things, just be willing to lay those things down so you will have empty hands that can receive my free gift of eternal life. And if you'll come, I'll give you that free gift of eternal life and you can spend the rest of your life following me as Savior and Lord of your life. And the rich man, 
who had come to Jesus wanting eternal life, when he heard these conditions, when he heard what it meant to really be saved, when he heard what it really meant to inherit eternal life, and that is to become a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ, a lifelong disciple of Jesus Christ, the scripture says that he went away sad. And the reason that he went away sad is because he was not willing to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, he wanted a Savior. He wanted to know Jesus as Savior, but he didn't want to know him as Lord. He wanted to go to heaven when he died, but he didn't want to follow Jesus here on this earth. He wanted eternal life, but he did not want a relationship with Christ where he got up every day and took up the cross of Christ and followed Jesus every day of his life as a disciple. And my friends, there's so many people in the world today that are like the rich man. They realize that something's missing in their life, but they want to receive eternal life. They want to receive salvation on some conditions that are not biblical. And what I want you to see today is that when we come to Jesus Christ and we ask for eternal life, when we come to Jesus Christ and we want forgiveness and we want heaven and we want eternal life and we want salvation, but we're not willing to recognize who Jesus is, we're not willing to recognize him as uh, divine, as God, as the only Savior that there is, and we're not willing to put our faith and trust in him as that only Savior. When we come to Jesus and we want eternal life, but we don't recognize it as something that he attains, something that he has merited through his death, burial, and resurrection. We see it as something that we can earn through some good religious work that we do. Then we can't be saved because salvation is not something we merit, but it's a free gift of God through Jesus Christ. And we come to Jesus and we're not willing to acknowledge our sin. We're not willing to confess our sin. We don't have any sorrow over our sin, and we're certainly not willing to repent. Then we cannot receive eternal life. And maybe we come like the rich man. We we don't see salvation. We don't see eternal life as a new birth. We don't see it as all the old things in my life are passing away and all things are becoming new, but we simply see Uh, eternal life. We simply see salvation as something that I'm adding to the old life that I already have. My friends, we can't be saved. You can't be saved with that attitude any more than the rich man was saved with that attitude. And then finally, if we're not willing to be followers of Jesus Christ, then we cannot receive eternal life. You see, my friends, there's so many people in the world that they look at their life and they realize something is missing in my life. And many of them are like the rich man. They recognize correctly that the thing that is missing is in the spiritual arena. And many of them even come to Jesus, even come to a Christian church, uh, seeking to receive that eternal life, seeking to receive that spiritual assurance uh, that everything's going to be okay, that when I die, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to go to heaven and inherit eternal life. But they come and they seek to receive that eternal life based on an idea that I can have Jesus as Savior, but I don't want him as Lord. Uh, I want him to save me, but I don't want to follow him. I don't want to live for him. I don't want to obey him. I don't want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I just want salvation. And my friend, that is something that simply cannot happen. But the good news today is that if we recognize, like the rich man, that there's something missing in our life, and we recognize that that thing that is missing in our life is in the spiritual arena, if we will come to Jesus Christ, and if we will come to him with humility, and if we will come to him acknowledging and confessing and repenting of our sin, and if we will come to him with childlike faith, putting our belief and trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone, believing that what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago when he sacrificed his body and shed his blood for the sins of the world, if we will come to him believing that that and that alone has the ability, the power, the capacity to make me a child of God, and we'll put that childlike faith and trust in Jesus Christ and confess and repent of our sin, he will receive us today and he will give us that free gift of eternal life, and we will be born again, 
And the evidence of that new birth will be that we spend the rest of our lives as followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. My friend, I hope you have found eternal life, the only eternal life that there is, the only salvation that there is, and that's in Jesus and Jesus alone. But if you've not found it, then I pray that you'll turn to Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The only way to find salvation is through Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Save to the Uttermost and the teaching of evangelist Brian Tyndall, founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism. Today's message was entitled, Why the Rich Man Did Not Inherit Eternal Life. And to help you make sure you have salvation, Brian has written an easy-to-read booklet entitled, Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. In it, Brian examines the five aspects of salvation, why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. For a free copy of Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift, just visit our website, uttermostevangelism.org, and download a copy. That's uttermostevangelism.org. If you have a question or a prayer request, just contact us there as well. If you'd like to get a copy of today's message to hear again or to pass on to a friend, simply click on Sermons. Each sermon is free for download. Our website address once again is uttermostevangelism.org. Now, if you're unable to go online and would like to send a letter, you can do so by writing Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. That's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or you can call us. Our phone number is 662-372-1912. That's 662-372-1912. Whichever way you choose, we'd love to hear from you. Uttermost Evangelism and the Save to the Uttermost broadcast are made possible by the generous gifts and prayers from people just like you. If you've been blessed by this program, would you consider helping us bless others? Your financial gift helps advance kingdom growth. To give, simply click on support when you visit uttermostevangelism.org or write us at P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Thanks for holding the ropes. For uttermost evangelism. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost all that come to God through him. God bless. Save to the uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.